Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Don't Shoot the Deputies. You're joined once again by my former colleague and good friend Steve. Hello, welcome back everybody. But we also have a very special guest today. He's the king of classroom ICT, a pioneer in using tech for purposeful learning and creator of hilarious videos. It's the irrepressible ICT with Mr. P, Lee Parkinson. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. P. What an introduction that is. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, it's great to have you on today and we'd love to talk to you about a few things ICT related and we wanted to kick things off by asking you how far you think we've come with ICT since you first started teaching. Um, oh, right. Well, I think we're slowly but surely getting there. Um, I don't think we're anywhere near where I personally think we should be as mm. a profession. But I think, I think we're getting more and more teachers coming into the profession that are a bit more open to the use of technology and a bit more keen and definitely see more of a purpose behind using it. Yeah. I think the biggest issue in education um, when it, with technology, it's not the tech, it is, it is the teachers. The teachers are are the key to unlocking everything and I yeah. talk a lot on my training about how you know schools make the biggest mistake with technology by buying it and then going straight in for the children whereas for me it should be about getting the teachers on board with it okay so um you know I, I do quite a lot of training around use of mobile technology so I always say to schools the first starting point should be getting every teacher an iPad and just focus on getting teachers to use the iPad to make their life a little bit easier Oh, okay. You can find ways in which the technology can help teachers uh, teach, assess, plan more effectively. It's not only going to save them time, but it, they're then going to be open to the idea of utilising it with their pupils. And I think the mistake a lot of schools make is they don't have that sort of vision. Mm. They'll go straight into spending thousands of pounds on whatever the tech is, Chromebooks, laptops, iPads, and then just expect teachers to... to go with it and use it and yeah uh, my experience that doesn't happen when there's so many other pressures and you know our time is is so precious to Mm. us at the minute with everything going on so my sort of mission at the minute with technology is more about focusing on the teacher and a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing on my training and on online is very much about uh, getting teachers to take teaching back and sort of just question the why behind why we do certain things and I think we've got ourselves in a bit of a rut as far as um, as far as workloads um, I mean I think it's down to the sort of fear that's very much driven our our system over the past few Mm. years and there's too much of our job now that's very much focused on just proving and and being accountable for what we're doing so so much time is spent evidencing what I've done in the classroom to show someone else rather than actually focus on the quality of learning in the classroom yeah, and I think, you, I think you make a really good point about people understanding the why because I, I don't know about you, but I can remember when I first started teaching and if I wanted to get an outstanding lesson grading, I had a box that said ICT and I had to find some random excuse for why someone was going to be sat with a laptop or I was going to do something fancy on my, uh, on my flip chart. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's always been seen as this sort of bolt-on, this add-on and you know, affected the schools who are using it effectively. It's just a, a, another tool, like your pens, your pencils, and so on. It's just weaved into everything that you're doing. Yeah. And um, you know, this over the the current curriculum that we teach now, we've moved away from this idea of of sort of literacy, and it's very much 
English and teaching English uh, language, so to speak. So, you know, this, the, a lot of teachers don't see the benefit of utilising the technology to make children literate. And I think, you know, that idea, if you look at the, uh, well, it's not ICT curriculum, but the computing curriculum yeah. and the digital literacy aspect of that, you know, for me, that should be on a par with English and maths now. So mm. if, you look at the, if you look at the computing curriculum, it's sort of broken down into three strands. You've got computer science, IT, and digital literacy. Mm. Um, now, I, I, I don't like to pay Michael Gove any sort of compliment, but if you've got <laughs> one right as ed sec, it was that change, because the ICT yeah. curriculum for too many years was just purely focused on just simply using technology. Yeah, lots of PowerPoints. Yeah, I'm sure your, your experience at school was the same as mine of this sort of death by Microsoft Office approach. Mm. And so, you know, I think it's roughly around about half a million jobs going unfulfilled in this country at the minute due to a lack of digital skills. They're predicting right. that's going to be two million in a few years. So right. that's why they made that change over to computing, which in theory is great. In reality, it's not happening. And, and do you think leadership's a big part of it? Because I think back to when Steve and I worked together, it was a really nice buzz at your school, Steve, about um, computing and IT. And there were two or three people, including yourself, that were real um, kind of advocates of how computing um, could be central to the curriculum or could be central to the classroom practice, wasn't there, Steve? There was a lot of people <coughs> yeah. that kind of sang its praises. I think what we, uh, what we tried to do at our school is the danger of the Microsoft Office approach was you're just presented. You're not actually teaching lessons or teaching skills, yeah. you're presenting. So for us, it was uh, to engage through the use of technology, and we went down the iPad route for sure, uh, portable and child-friendly. Uh, longevity of the iPads was also a really big issue for us, but also through what apps could do. It's being smarter. And um, we then went through the approach of if we're going to do it, we're going to teach about e-safety, the teachers first had to be trained with all the apps and then particularly nowadays it's Snapchat, Instagram because you can't deliver e-safety effectively if we as teachers don't know the, the mm. basis to what the they're using. Apps, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on, yeah. Um, well, that's what I mean. So that when we talk about the, com the computing curriculum, that, that digital literacy element is, mm. is all about e-safety, understanding how Google works and, you know, as a society at the minute, that's one thing that I think we are struggling to do is that with all this social media that we're using, um, we've got to a point where we don't question the authenticity of what we see online. Mm -hmm. yeah. Generally here, but I know for a fact there are people in my own family that as soon as they some see something on Facebook that they either agree, agree with or uh, the other end of it they completely disagree with, rather than questioning and looking at whether that's factually accurate, the f instinct is to just share it. So if you're yeah. outraged by something, you know, what was it over Christmas? So many percent of people think Father Christmas should be gender neutral or whatever oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> a, complete load, a complete load of rubbish. Yeah. But all these people sharing it, outraged about it, go, oh, this snowflake, this snowflake. Mm. And actually, when you looked into it, it was just an utter, it was like a clickbait article that was just exactly. made. And, and you know, um, these are the things I think we need to be teaching children because as a country, we find ourselves more divided than we've ever been before, mm. uh, where we've got more technology that should be connecting us. And, you know, you look at things going on with the government around Brexit and stuff. For me, that happened mainly because of how people were sort of manipulated, lied to, and just didn't question the truth of what they see online. Mm. We've got to realise with a lot of these social media platforms, they're designed to keep us on there. So, exactly. mm. you know, the, the, this echo chamber of uh, people who agree with your viewpoint, um, you know, you validate it all the time with people's likes. And, and so 
you you be very sort of self-aware of your viewpoint and 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 the problem with that is is you're spending more time on there so it warps your reality so then when you actually come across someone who doesn't agree with your viewpoint on something it really you can't handle it you, you, you know you struggle and this is why we're seeing all these clashes on the news with different types of people and it's just um, a shame really but i put it down to the fact that it's a complete utter lack of education now yeah the way the technology has grown so rapidly over the past say 10 15 years has meant that as as educators we struggle to keep up with it but i think we're at a point now where we can appreciate social media is not going anywhere um the only thing that's going to change is that you'll get new new games new trends new apps that will come on the scene but the behaviors we we do need to be teaching and i think speak honestly but our curriculum as a whole is just not is just not fit for purpose in many ways and right. you know we are doing I honestly believe we're doing children a disservice because, you know, there is an epidemic in this country around mental health issues mm. as far as young people with social media and, and so on. And rather than helping and supporting and discussing these issues, we almost in a lot of schools are forced to turn a blind eye because we're obsessing about whether the kids know the difference between the active and passive voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is a real bugbear amount. And, and, you know, not, and I'm not saying that that's not important, although I do think the spag test can, can <laughs> um, you know, I don't think it makes children better writers. Um, I, I just, you know, I talk about this again. I think the spag test is completely designed around the what, what it's called, what it, what's yeah. the adjective in that sentence. It can never cover the why. Yeah. And it's the why that makes children better writers. So if children can understand why they would use a front adverbial for effect, that's good, you know, so that's what the spike test can never cover. And it's just, you know, a stick to beat teachers with when there are so many other issues affecting children's mental well-being, and, and even teachers, teachers struggle with it. And, you know, as adults, we struggle with this. Um, I think the main thing, Lee, sorry to jump in. Is, no, no, go for it. Uh, as teachers, uh, there's a perception that we're behind the children in terms of technology, which increases the fear as to why we're not dealing with it, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and fear tends to be uh, an issue as to why a lot of schools struggle. I mean, the, the main ones that I come across as far as why teachers don't tend to take, you know, make the most out of the technology in their school is uh, time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like I say, fear, knowledge, confidence, and um, sort of the pressure on evidence and in, in, in sort of books. So yeah. how do we help those teachers, Lee? What, 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 what's the solution, do you think, for those kind of teachers? <laughs> Well, I think when you, you mentioned leadership before, mm. um, you've got to have leadership now looking at um, ways in which technology can solve issues around evidence and in books. So um, I, I think book scrutinies are one of the most toxic things in education. I think they um, force a certain mentality in teachers where they feel they're being judged and, and um, deemed a success by what their books look like. And so rather than giving the full picture of what's happening in the classroom, you're forced to teach a very narrow curriculum to, you know, cover so many pages in the book. Again, I'm generally speaking here, but this is what I'm experiencing. Yeah, sure. A lot of schools I come across. So, you know, you go on, you go onto the curriculum, you look at the English curriculum, you look at the first part of every year group's English curriculum. It's all these spoken language objectives. Mm. And if you're a school that's driven by doing a book scrutiny every week, because the SLT is saying things like we need to see four pieces of writing in a book, Mm, which really yeah. winds me up because that's the same mentality of if we get an infinite line of typewriters and an infinite line of monkeys, we'll get the works of Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> you, can a, you can get a child to write as much as they want, but if they're not being taught and they're not talking yeah. about the ideas and developing it orally, you know, so what you've got is you've got a lot of schools now that don't teach that oral speaking part of the curriculum because they're being forced to get stuff in, but, and, and you can't evidence any of that in a book yet you've got this technology in our fingertips that can allow children to 
record conversations, to orally mm -hmm. plan writing, reflect, evaluate, improve language choices, vocabulary before they actually put pen to paper. Well, that's a really good point because a lot of teachers, um, well, we're all worried about the end product with a write, aren't we? We want them to come out with something at the end that the children are proud of, that they they can see where they've moved on with their writing. But actually, I think yeah. we rush that journey, don't we? And this, the oral part of that's key, isn't it? Um, in both, for me, in both aspects, I mean, you ask, uh, definitely, I think... My, my, my viewpoint is if a child can't talk you through a piece of writing, they're not going to be able to write you a decent piece of writing. No, it's simple as that. Mm. If we're not giving the, the, the time and, and, and um, the weight to that part of the curriculum, then we're not, it's, it, you know, um, effective reading and writing floats on a sea of oracy. Mm. And if you've got teachers who now deem speaking and listening as this sort of poor cousin to reading and writing because we can't get it in a book, we're not going to see that progress overall. We're not developing the whole child. And, mm. I talk, there's evidence now suggesting that we, well, I'm talking personally in my school, the amount of children starting school now with speech and language difficulties and yeah, the yes. definite links to how technology has been used at home. And we'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. Um, you know, we should be helping children with that, but we don't tend to do it. And you go with bigger picture here of, um, you know, you look at men and, 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 the biggest killer of men under the age of 45 being suicide. And we're mm -hmm. at the minute in this country losing 12 um, men a day to suicide. Mm. What, one thing we need men to be doing more of is, is talking. And mm. yet in the classroom, we're not valuing it as much as we should do mm, because of um, a sort of toxic but scrutiny culture of, again, that accountability, that fear and, and, and so on. But going back to the point about um, oral speaking in the process of writing, yeah. I'm sure you guys will have children in your school who will say things like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a YouTuber, I want to be a blogger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, rather than being a teacher that sort of dismisses that and, and mm. sort of um, discounts it, I, I very much embrace it. I think, you know, children should be given the opportunity to take a piece of writing and transform it into a much more engaging form of media. So I, uh, with a guy called John Murray, who is a reading um, sort of trainer, we, we've got um, a resource called Read, Write, Perform. Uh, and if anyone interested, if you go to readwriteperform.com, it's not a scheme of work so much as it's a, it's an approach and, and what we want is, you know, I'm not against sort of schemes of work, but you know, that I think the best resource in the classroom is the teacher. And I think there are companies out there making millions of pounds just based on lack of teachers time. And if you were to give yeah. teachers that time, they'd make resources that were 10 times better than what they're actually paying money for. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So my uh, very much, a lot of my training is trying to get teachers to understand how to create and how to, you know, bring their curriculum to life through this technology. And so what Redrive performs about is it's an approach that I think um, values every element of the English curriculum in a real cohesive and engaging way. So the idea is whatever text type you're doing, we start off by reading and deconstructing exam example text to really understand the purpose and the features mm. and looking at that reading in context to then inform the writing. So it's very much this reading to writing approach. Yeah, yeah, no. The children then write a, 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 a piece, whatever it might be, let's say it's persuasive text or a set of instructions, whatever it might be. Um, and what most schools will do at that point is that's the end. You know, it's this, this idea of, right, full stop, we can assess that, yep. brilliant, move on. Yep. Move yeah, move on to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you've got the, the, if you've got the technology in your fingertips, that will allow the children to transform that into a tutorial video, into mm. a persuasive advert, a stop motion animation, uh, a doing green screen video, then let them do it. Because mm. if that's their finished product now, their mm. a YouTube tutorial video, that's not only going to have an impact on 
the writing and that's going to motivate them to get the writing to be the best it can possibly be because they know it's not just going to stay lifeless in a book and it's going to be you know transformed it's the it and the digital literacy the, the oral speaking that's then being developed as you create that content through the technology yeah and, um, and for me uh, as a teacher i think that avoids the issue when you look back in the year before you go you must have learned front verbials last year so we're going to learn them again yeah. this year if you're not providing that memorable experience where they can oh, apply it, they're never going yeah. to join you. No, and, 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 you know, with, with this very sort of um, visual media world we live in now, it's a way in which you can really give that right and a purpose, but also embed mm. the computing curriculum, tick those oral speaking objectives. And I found that it's had just a huge impact on children's attainment, both in reading, writing, and... Yeah. Um, you know, it's so, so powerful. And, and, and then for me, the, the thing you do with that, once the children have created some content, is that you do share it. So we talk a lot about social media and you get a lot of teachers who are very dismissive about it. And in my opinion, you know, it comes down to choices. I think technology as a whole, it comes down to choices. Mm. But, um, and we'll get onto that when we talk about parents in a minute. But um, social media in 2019, we don't have a choice about using the internet. The choice mm. we make is how well we do it. And I think as teachers, we model everything. We model how to read, how to write, how to solve problems in maths. You know, we should be utilizing, uh, modeling social media in a positive way because, you know, I'm in this amazing position now where I get to travel all around the country and uh, visit amazing, you know, schools and teachers here, there and everywhere um, mm. from just using the internet in a positive way. Okay, so in our last podcast, we spoke about some worries colleagues had shared with us about the whole um, IT at home, the computing at home, yeah. what children were doing with obsessive gaming. Steve, do you want to say a bit more about some of the things people were raising that they were concerned about? Sure. There's a question that come in about addiction to gaming, uh, mm. leading to tired children every day, lack of focus, and the fact that children only ever wanted to talk about your so-called Fortnite, Call of Duty, um, Facebook, and the, the use of social media as well, that inevitably it leaks into school. Uh, children yeah. are using it wrong, and then... The challenge for a school game where it's an over-13 app, but children are using it particularly up mm -hmm. in Key Stage 2. How do we combat and deal with this? Um, I mean, it's so tough. It's, it is really tough because um, ultimately that, that is a parental choice. And, um, you know, I've, I saw it recently. There was a mum who went on to this morning and sat there with Holly and Phil and sort of said, you know, my child's addicted to technology because of Fortnite. I'm having to put my child into rehab on, on the NHS because of Fortnite and sort of blaming the technology. And it just, I know it might sound bad this, but I just think actually that's, that's parent, you know, it's a parental mm. responsibility yeah. there to find the balance. And, you know, when it comes to technology, ultimately, it's down to choices. We can choose to use it and it can be transformational. You know, you look at some examples of how it's used, uh, and it's really transforming people's lives. It's incredible. I mean, you know, just look at what we're doing now, you know, being able to be in different parts of the country and have this, mm. you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But then in lots of ways, it can be detrimental. But that just comes down to our choices. That is just all about us. And I think we're sort of conditioned now as a society to sort of always find someone else to blame. Yeah. Our media thrives on fear and, and sort of if we can find someone else to blame, then you know rather and we you know because of social media and stuff we spend so much of our time uh worrying and judging other people that we we forget to actually look at ourselves and and mm. um for me personally speaking uh, you know my children don't have a device i've got 
well, I've got a 15-year-old stepson, he, he does, but my three, uh, seven-year-old triplets, they don't have devices. There are children in the class that do. Uh, we'd have devices in the home, but yeah. I just think giving a child that young a device is, is it's the equivalent of, I might as well give him a pack of cigarettes and sort of say, you know, fill your boots. It, they are designed to be addictive. And what we've got to be doing is making sure we're educating children on finding the right balance. Because I'm not against using it, but it's very much about the balance. And, you know, we can't, con ultimately, we can't control what the children are going to do at, at home. You know, um, unfortunately, what ends up happening is we have to pick up the pieces and we yeah. are often blamed. And, you know, I've had it before where parents will come and speak to me and say, you know, why is my child being, you know, my child's being picked on by that child on Snapchat. And yeah. saying your child's seven, they shouldn't be on Snapchat. And no. then it's this sort of taking offence that I'm judging them as a parent. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's really tough. But you get it with everything now, don't you? I've had it before where parents will say, you know, why is my child on that book band and that child's on purple, my child's on the red wagon. My <laughs> yeah. child. And you say, well, when was the last time you read with your child? And a look yeah. of disgust on this parent's mm -hmm. face mm -hmm. uh, where I've suggested that. They, do you think I've got time for that? It's that sort of approach. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm not uh, tarring every parent with the same brush. I know there's a lot yeah. of parents out there who are... Uh, are making the right choices. I just think we, we are almost conditioned to sort of, I think there's a wider issue with parents as far as um, the way our society's run as, uh, you know, we're very much told as a parent, you need to work to provide for your family. Mm. You need to work to put food on the family, on the table, sorry. And for you to get a job now, most jobs, you ran, it's ran for profit over people. So yeah. for you to get a job, you know, workers' rights, are, you know, uh, aren't really there for a lot of people. So you, for you to sustain that job, you've got to give everything to that job. You've got to work more on sociable hours. You've got to be answering emails into the night. So doing the job for the right intentions of working and providing for your family ends up meaning that you're neglecting your family and never there. And because we feel that guilt, we feel that guilt of um, not spending quality time because we're working so much, we replace that guilt with time. So a lot of it's this sort of money rich, time poor approach so we will buy the technology because the children want it but then we're not teaching the children how to use it and then yeah in school I think we do need to be doing a lot more education and I'm talking right from EYFS all the way up um, there's a brilliant document I came across called education for a connected world okay. by the UK Council of Child and Internet Safety and it actually breaks the digital literacy curriculum down to all these strands um, online image on cyberbullying and so on but it's got objectives right from EYFS all the way through to um, key stage four brilliant and uh, that sounds um, really good and I, I, what I'm saying to schools is they should be taking that document and they should be looking at it at bleeding it through the whole curriculum yeah so um, for a very brief example we were doing comprehension the other week using let it go um, oh, from yeah. Frozen. <laughs> and uh, which is amazing for reading comprehension by the way it's, <laughs> uh, but some music reading comprehension one of the best things you can i mean music generally speaking i think it's one of the most uh, most effective yet underused tools in the classroom yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely talk about it but for reading comprehension it is unbelievable so we're talking through we get to the end of the song and she's let it go she's let go of all it because the, the idea of letting it go most people on the surface think it's letting go of the the powers, but it's actually letting go of the fear, the dread, the worry, the yeah. angst of feeling different. And right at the end, she said the line, that perfect girl is gone. That perfect girl is gone. And when we came across that lyric, I saw it as an opportunity to say to the year four children, I said, I bet these children, I bet these people in your life that you will follow online, um, you will see on telly, and you'll, every time you see a post, <laughs> you, you'll think, their life's perfect. Their life's oh. perfect. Mm. And... Actually, when you, when you unpick it, you realise that 
everyone's got flaws and I've got flaws, you've got flaws and it's absolutely fine. We've just got to understand how to deal with that and, and, and not let those flaws consume us because ultimately what you've got now is you've got a generation of kids who are being given all this technology. I think the statistics are three out of every four eight to 12 year olds have a social media pl- uh, account. Mm, right? yeah. So if you put the children into this, ment- you know, you put yourself into the mentality of an eight year old, here's an eight year old being given this device at such young age by, like I say, this sort of money rich time poor um, approach. And then, and then the, the following other people on social media platforms, whatever it might be, Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp. Mm. And for 24 hours a day, they're getting a constant feed of how wonderful, amazing, perfect, mm-hmm. And fulfilled everyone else's life is yeah and we struggle with this as adults you oh. know, we're comparing yeah. ourselves yeah. to what we see online you know we feel rubbish about our bodies because we're seeing these instagram models mm. who you know are shredded uh, don't have an ounce of fat and saying you can do you can achieve this through some skinny coffee uh, when actually they're probably doing all sorts but anyway um and no one's so we're struggling with this as adults with fully developed brains think about an eight-year-old who yeah. knows very little of the world and that now becomes a reality. Do you think, Lee, that people don't have these conversations with children because they almost don't want to get past that barrier of the fact that they're not meant to be on it anyway? So it's kind of like that shuts um, it down because they're worried. They sort possibly. Of feel like- I, have, I have come across schools before where they've said, you know, if we do talk about Facebook, I've had it before where schools will say, we can't have a school Facebook page because if we have a school Facebook page, we're encouraging children to use Facebook. And I think there is a naivety there. Um, yeah. And, and and it's like there was a school, wasn't there? I can't remember where it was that that banned flossing. Oh, right. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was which again, <laughs> yeah, which again for me shows very much naivety because they linked it to Fortnite, right? Now, if you were uh, actually to look into it, flossing did not mm, come from Fortnite. No, flossing was a lad who got up on stage and did it with um, Katy Perry or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's right. That lad's actually now tried to pursue Fortnite, I think. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Went, went viral, and obviously wow. it's, it's weaved into Fortnite, but because there's a lack of understanding from teachers, maybe a naivety, then we've just, you know, Fortnite will block it, will block, block flossing, and the argument was, you know, it's promoting bullying. I guarantee by fl- banning fl- flossing, that has not solved a bullying issue in that school. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's... Um, I'm not, uh, I don't tend to use a lot of Fortnite. In, in fact, I've not used anything to do with Fortnite in class mm. because of the age restric- mm-hmm. restriction with it. Um, you know, and you've always got to be very careful with that. In the past, I've done things around Angry Birds. I've done projects around Temple Run, which has seen an incredible level of engagement. And, and um, again, with giving purpose to writing, it's been phenomenal. Mm. I've done an awful lot with, with Minecraft. Yeah. But Fortnite is a, is a tricky one because the rating is sort of 12, 13. And, you know, if you were to start doing stuff around it in, in, in school, you, the chances are you probably would get a parent who would see that as promoting it. And it's yeah. just, you know, you've just got to be so careful. That's kind of fair enough, isn't we're it? We're stuck in the middle, aren't we? Yeah, we yeah, are yeah. And I think what we end up doing at the minute is we end up getting to a breaking point with something before we start to address it. Mm. So, you know, the government now have come out and said that by 2025, is going to be a, a mental health support worker in every school. Well, why did it have to get to that point? Why could we not have recognised this earlier on and looked at prevention strategies mm. rather than, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Well, sort it's of the stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
So it has to get very, very drastic before anything happens with it. When actually, if we were educated, if we were getting a curriculum de de delivered that actually looked at the whole child and you know actually uh, understood that this technology now is going to play a very pivotal part in their lives, mm. then it should be uh, embedded in everything. And we should be, you know, it's like my I have a bit of a bugbear with Internet Safety Day. Right. Um, I get, I get the, I get the. It shouldn't just be a day because yeah, every day yeah, is Internet Safety every, Day. Yeah. Every day is Internet Safety Day, and what yeah. winds me up is still now in, in 2019. I think it's in February. In it the is. next few weeks, you're going to get people plastering your Facebook wall with <laughs> themselves with a share piece of paper post. that say, "I want to raise awareness." Share this post. They end up yeah. like posting it to a private Twinkle group, so you can't share it anyway. Yeah. And. <laughs> and, and uh, and yeah, and then, and then they think that's going to solve some sort of issue when the children in that class have probably got more YouTube subscribers yeah. than what yeah. that post reaches. And, you know, we say the same messages that we say all the time. Oh, don't speak to anyone online, children. Don't speak to any strangers, even though a third of marriages now begin by people meeting online. Don't, yeah. uh, you know, you say, don't ever get into a stranger's car. Don't, where, the, the, the app that I use a lot on my phone is Uber, where I literally summon a stranger <laughs> to pick me up in the car. And so, you know, we've, I do think, generally speaking, we have to do more. And I'm not blaming teachers here. I don't want to make it out like I'm having a go at teachers. Right. Um, I do think there's a bigger issue as far as our curriculum, as far as our system. And, mm. you know, I do think it all links, in which that's why I'm, I'm focusing a lot on, you know, looking at workload. Because for me, workload, is, is you can't escape recruitment. It's not recruitment crisis. I don't think they've got a recruitment crisis in yeah. this country. <laughs> no, 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 no. You ask the government, they'll search recruitment. It's not. There are millions of teachers in this country willing to teach and just, mm -hmm. just not willing to work in this system. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there was an article just the other day that I read saying that £22 million of taxpayers' money is wasted on bursaries to get people into teaching. Right. And, the, and the, the majority of them, well, £22 million of it, is, it has been lost because they've left the profession in, within two years. Yeah. And... You know, there's just that pressure coming in. And so the main issue with retention is obviously workload, which I know you've sort of covered yeah. on a couple of episodes. But for me, personally speaking, it's just all fart, no poo with workload. And I know I'm mm -hmm. being a bit um, <laughs> thinking that, but ultimately what you're getting is a lot of schools who are end up adding to workload because what they're doing is penciling meetings to just talk about workload without actually changing anything. Yeah. So yeah. for most of this academic year, I've said to them, look, the, you know, Ofsted have had an Ofsted myth document. There's been this workload questionnaire out for a couple of years. Be completely honest with me. Put your hands up if you feel your workload's uh, decreased over the past year. And no one ever puts their hands up. Right. Yeah, so, so we have a meeting, set meetings to create fallacy, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, and it's like, we'll actually take some action. Bin marking policies, because marking policies, I won't mark my backside with it. It's completely not a waste of time. Because let's be honest, what's the best form of feedback? Well, yeah, interacting with children, yeah. yeah. Oral verbal feedback. So I'd have a marking policy, I don't understand. Have a feedback policy by all means. Yeah. But your feedback policy needs to have trust in teachers to know the best mm -hmm. forms of feedback for that particular child. You know, there is no, you know, this obsession with non-negotiables. And it's because schools have this misunderstanding with the word consistency. Mm -hmm. So if you mention consistency, and it's everywhere, isn't it? It's the most consistent word used in education, yeah. consistency. Yeah. But what most schools make the mistake of is they assume consistency means everyone's doing the same thing. So you'll have these non-negotiables in a policy where, you know, you've got year six teachers giving two stars and a wish, whatever it might be, highlighting this, highlighting it that. For, let's be honest, a group of children who would be the only ones that would access it more than others. And then a non-negotiable or a, a, a misconception of the word consistency is getting then year one teachers to do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a class of year one children that can't even read, with even, even within one class of 30 children, you, you, you're not going to be able to give the exact same feedback for everyone. No. no. 
Yeah, marking policies are forcing everyone to to do everything the same way, and it doesn't have any impact, but it adds to workload because you know for what you, you ask any teacher, what's the biggest? They'll say marking because they're going home and doing three, four hours of it every night, yeah. knowing full well when they give it back to a child next day, it doesn't have any impact. Well, yeah, exactly. we've said that before, haven't we? Is that the worst thing is you know teachers really like working hard. They're not scared of hard work, and it's the fact that if they're working hard, they want to know that it's actually doing something for their kids. And when you've yeah. got any aspect of a job where you're doing ten, eleven hours a day, where uh, it, it's actually wasted on children, it's very disheartening, isn't it? If it's got no impact, don't do it. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's my thing. If if the why behind why you know if you're doing anything as a teacher, that's taking time. Ask yourself the question why, mm. and if the answer isn't to benefit the children, you either stop doing it or you do it in a way that's going to save you a lot of time. Yeah, Lee, that, that feels awesome. that feels yeah. like the perfect time to finish this because that's the message yeah. we just want to be hammering out there. I know you're on a mission this year to uh, to really get that point across through the work you're doing, and I think you're, <laughs> I think just, you're doing some great work. Just, just moaning, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's no, good. It's no, important. No, I really do appreciate the uh, the opportunity to come and chat to you guys. I think you've 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 got a nice little platform here where you're opening up discussions about things. And I think teachers need that. I think what a lot of teachers end up finding themselves in a position where if they're not getting support from the school uh, that they're working in, they can feel very isolated. But again, what, what's great about the internet now is there are uh, like pages on Facebook, there's twi Twitter accounts that you can follow. There are podcasts you can listen to that actually make you realize that it's not just you. It's not you. Yeah. You know, the school you're working in. And, you know, I think as a community, we have got to be there for each other. We've got to, help each other because um you know that's that's ultimately at the heart of what what makes a teacher is it, it is and if you had told me three four months ago when steve and i hadn't even launched anything online i'd be chatting to that guy that my wife always shows videos to me to <laughs> kick in head off at like 10 o'clock at night i think I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have had a right laugh about that so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just oh, the, thank you very much the opportunity is to connect to different people and, and people yeah, like yeah. yourself and it's just awesome so thank you for coming yeah, on brilliant listening to um, you yeah. am i all right just giving a quick shout out to my podcast as well Sure, yeah. we love your podcast it's a good laugh yeah. uh, well that's it it's, it's an educational podcast where you won't learn anything um so <laughs> it's, uh, it's one that it's I do a, it's a learning now. objective though isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah well that's again that's that, i think that says says a lot there um so so yeah it's a podcast that i do with my brother he's a hlta in uh, a primary school too it's called two mr p's in a podcast and it is just us sitting around in in my front room just sharing funny stories from the classroom so um uh, yeah, and like I say, if you do uh, want to find out more about training that I offer and, and support I can share, if you go to my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash ICT with Mr. P. Um, I've also launched uh, a sort of supporters page, that Facebook, where I'm basically trying to move a lot of my CPD in schools online. So if you are a teacher who can't access training for whatever reason, or you've been on some training, you want some more support, if you go to mrpict.com, you can see all the video tutorials and content there available, and it's um, £3.50 a month to subscribe to that. Awesome. Well, thanks awesome. for joining us, Lee, and keep up the great work in education. Oh, cheers, you too, guys. You're an important voice in it all, and we oh, thank yeah. you. we'll speak to you again at some point. Thanks. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thanks. Have a great day. Yeah, Bye. you too. Thank you. Cheers. Deputy the deputy.